Welcome to Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. Today, going to take a little diversion from normal content because we want to talk about something that was heard around the world without the internet and absolutely changed the course of history, redefined the globe, <clears throat> and introduced the modern era that we live in. It was known as the shot heard around the world, and it occurred on this day. Let me make sure I get this right. On this day in 1775, and it was the formal beginning of the American Revolution. I say formal because there had been scuffles. There had been shootings, deaths, bridges burned <laughs> figuratively, boats burned literally. And this was where there was a formal response where a line was drawn. And the Continental Army said, the British Redcoats shall not cross this bridge. It was in Concord, Massachusetts. And that was the first fire from the Continental Army of the colonies against the British Redcoats under direction of an officer where they had a formal organized battle. In 1775, and it really was heard around the world. Now, it wasn't known as the shot heard around the world at that time. That came up from a uh, poem. Much later, and here's a quote from the poem, uh, Concord Hymn by Ralph Waldo Emerson. You may have heard of Emerson, did a little bit of writing back in the day. So here's what Emerson said. By the rude bridge that arched the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmer stood and fired the shot heard round the world. And think about that. It's a bunch of farmers, a bunch of upstarts telling those who decreed that they were the ones that had a right to lead, to rule, to govern, and no one else. Because it took special requirements, you know, to rule, to govern. Only those deified with special requirements, special abilities, special bloodlines from certain families were worthy of leadership, of governing. The rest, well, they just had to follow. They weren't citizens. They were peasants. Farmers and a few merchants and a few lawyers but mostly farmers because it was a agricultural economy at that time. But there were shopkeepers, there were blacksmiths, there were those that uh, shipped things around and engaged in trade. They were involved too. They stood up against those who decreed that they were the ones that had the right to govern and the right to govern alone because they had special education, special knowledge. You can't rule yourself. You need to have special special blood, special schooling, special fill in the blank. Only certain people, and especially from certain families, could, could govern. But not according to the colonists. They stood up on this day in 1775. Now, there had been skirmishes before that. It had been going on for a few years before that. But historians say this is the day. The Battle of the Concord Bridge, that's what marks the true beginning of the American Revolution which did change the world. It was heard around the world because all of those established self-decreed rulers who said they were the ones that had the right to govern and only the ones that had the right to govern were shaken. They're going, oh, how could this be? Plus the, the United Kingdom had the strongest military in the world at that time. So think about that. They were entrepreneurs, much like you just looking to have the freedom 
to be able to get ahead, secure their families with food, shelter, financially, so that they could afford clothing and other things. There was a cost of living in those days too, you know. That's not just a new thing. They wanted the right to not have rulers, government, tell them that they had to have certain people housed on their property by decree of the government, especially the redcoats, because the military at that time would just move in, take over a house, take all the food, take what they wanted, sleep in the, sleep in the beds, push the people out in the yard, and then when they were done, leave, and it was up to the owners to clean that up. Right? The government, the ruler said, yes, what you have is good enough that we can take, but you're not good enough to be able to make your own decisions in your life. And that had a lot to do with the beginning of the American Revolution, to say the least. And so began the American experiment afterwards, eight long years before the end of hostilities in 1783. And the American experiment began, as it's called by some historians. Well, it was an experiment because nobody was ruling themselves. Self-governance, elect your own people. You know, the, the baker be can become the mayor. I don't know if you've ever seen the Hornblower series of, uh, of movies or books. But there's a line in one of the movies. Don't know if it's true to the book. The line in one of the movies where, where this French aristocrat looks at the man and goes, you can't be the mayor. You're just the baker. You're just, you know, just this little person over here. You couldn't possibly understand how to be mayor. And then he has him executed by guillotine. That's in the movie. But there's that attitude amongst those that decree that they alone have the ability, have the right to govern. You know, that, every, that those around them were just not good enough. It was considered absurd to think that people could govern themselves. Even after the Constitutional Convention. Benjamin Franklin was quoted as saying, and this is a paraphrase, most likely, whether he said it or not, you can argue that all day long, but he's quoted as saying, it's a republic if you can keep it. And it was set up as a republic with checks and balances against human nature because people, you know how we are, you know how human beings are. They'll look for self-interest, put self above doing the right thing above following the law of say, wow, you know, and especially those with power, those seeking power and finding a government all too often in the past, we'd seen them say, no, no, no. They make the laws that you obey, but they are above the law, but they don't have to obey it. You do this. I do that. I make a decree. I issue a mandate. You have to follow it. But as a ruler, they don't. That was not something that was, you know, that was agreed to, that was acceptable to the founders, to those that, that set up the Constitution and the structure of our government with checks and balances to guard against human behavior so that no lever of power would be strong enough that any one person or small group could grab power and then dictate to the rest of the nation. So that the, that the federal government in Washington, D.C., which was carved out as a non-state, not a state, but just a city, that had its own, yeah, its own mayor, but did not have recognition as a state because that's the seat of the federal government, which serves the states. That's the way the U.S. Constitution is set up. It's the way it's structured because it is about the states. The federal government was allowed to do a small number of things that really didn't make sense for the states to, to do. And again, checks and balances. It's 
why there's two houses of, of Congress. Congress is House of Representatives and the Senate. Originally, that was set up as House of Representatives represented the people. The Senate represented the states. Check and balance. Because the Republic is a federation of the states. And the Supreme Court to decide, well, did the president, which holds the executive power, to run the federal government, not the lives of the citizens, but to run the federal government, did that person overstep or did that administration overstep what was constitutionally allowed? Did the, did the Congress overstep or not live up to its uh, constitutional authority? So you get those three balancing that out. And again, entrepreneurs are about self-governance. They're about setting up freedom for people. Now, when you look at what's happened is the explosion of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, the explosion of free enterprise globally since uh, the end of World War II, particularly coming out of the Great Depression into World War II, decades of hard times. You know, really three decades of hard times because they're in, in the 1910s, there was a major recession, depression, and then World War I towards the end. There was a roaring 20s, boom times, but then the 30s and 40s, mm -mm. very, very tough times economically. After that, free enterprise exploded around the globe because the map was once again reshaped after World War II. And now we find that according to, let me look this up to so make sure I reference this to get to the right information. According to uh, the World Bank, those living on, a, on less than $1.90 a day, which is how they define U.S. dollars, Dollar ninety a day is how they define extreme poverty, has uh, been reduced to ten percent. That's still an unacceptable number, but man, what a huge improvement! Largely due to free enterprise. It's a major, major force. You, as an entrepreneur, are a major force for good. You're helping expand opportunities for people, so that not just you are prospering, but the people on your team are prospering. They have more opportunity to uplift their families, secure their families, feed, clothe, shelter their families, and move forward in life. What they learn from working with you, some of them go out and start companies, some of them go on, some of them rise as, to higher positions and higher pay as your company prospers. Others go start their own thing. They have they take their skills in other areas. They use the opportunity to learn something so that they can launch another career, maybe become a doctor, a lawyer, professional. And at the same time, those people support others in the community, make other businesses possible. The sandwich shop down at the corner that serves the manufacturing company, because a lot of the people come out of the plant and in lunchtime and buy a sandwich or the food trucks, some of them gourmet food trucks. Now that's a whole thing, right? If it wasn't for companies like yours, those entrepreneurs wouldn't have an opportunity. Those families wouldn't be fed and clothed. Four to seven other families are supported by every job you provide in your business. That's numbers for manufacturing, but it, it, it varies depending on the type of company. You can look up the statistics for your industry. But think about it, even if it's just two or three, what great leverage. If you have a company of 20 people, that would mean 60 other families are having opportunities to be food, clothed, sheltered, financially stable, stabilized an opportunity to plan for their future to pursue their dreams and goals. So shot heard around the world, no internet needed because it shook the world's government structures to their core in 1775 
when the Continental Army fired on the British Redcoats to deny them crossing a bridge in Concord, Massachusetts. And it's opened up a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of imperfect stuff going on. But as the founding fathers said, in order to form a more perfect union, not a perfect union, more perfect union, and we continue to learn and improve it as we go along. But this is just a hat tip to you as an entrepreneur for being a force for good, for expanding opportunities. CEO, right? Continually expanding opportunities for your family, your team, the communities you serve, and acknowledging the shot that was heard around the world. As Ralph Waldo Emerson said on this day in 1775. Thanks for being part of Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. I look forward to seeing you on the trail.